Okay, good morning. Uh, welcome back. I hope everyone is well or well enough given circumstances. Uh, today, continuing discussion of the Logoi and uh, 3D third ray um, telos, meaning purpose, objectives, and goals. Uh, <clears throat> last week, today, today is, uh, by the way, what, Wednesday, November 10. Uh, uh, in many ways, this is <laughs> a complex uh, theme, topic of uh, Earth's third density end times as seen through some of the New Testament Gospels, uh, Parable of the Tares, 2 Thessalonians 2, story of the man of lawlessness, or lawlessness, which is uh, anomy, and associated with civilizational nihilism, or civilizational death-rebirth. Um, the issue of personal, the, the, wheat, uh, the, the wheat and the tares, the good seed and the bad seed, <clears throat> the positively oriented souls that are here, the negatively oriented souls that are here, all as 3D level or 3D souls, many of which, most of which are repeating, it seems, third density, or will be repeating, um, not having sufficiently learned the ways of love, not having sufficiently loved the truth that would have saved them. In the section 2 Thessalonians 2, the man of lawlessness, or lawlessness, which is the uh, generalized civilizational condition of a breakdown of established or universal norms and uh, principles. The, the principles remain, but the understanding or appreciation of them is being degraded. And then how all that um, of the current, of this analysis of the current end times or the current situation as end times relates to the logoic process of veiling souls in third density being the basis of their being tares or bad seed or two paths or a path of negativity or service to self. That came about by the veiling. Then <clears throat> how that relates to the very nature of seven rays and light. Uh, so what I want to do and, and the nature, the particular position of third ray or um, in the sevenfold uh, frequencies of light, which are in many ways um, a, a superstructure in which the main working is on the uh, rays of two, three, four, five, six, the five. And those five, like the fivefold human being, like uh, Leonardo da Vinci put, you know, the two arms, two legs, and the head. Um, very totally, in my view, correlative with the five middle rays, where the main soul evolution working is in the octave, where the main working or experience of the logos is, the logoi, experiencing soul evolution, experiencing beings, apparent separative beings, soul evolution, uh, with apparent change <laughs> in the apparent superstructure of a seven-dimensional, you know, uh, uh, seven-dimensional octave. Uh, why 
how <laughs> how we know a bit why is harder uh, and how there's sort of a the the uh, earth's end times as a microcosm of the logoic issue with third ray um the veiled condition of many solar systems seven dimensional schema of multiple logoi who are all now facing this condition of two paths because uh, they made it uh, apparently because they want it although that that's another point to map to discuss later do they want it or not is there wanting or not wanting even at logoic level perhaps not or is there i don't know it's a very you know we're kind of <laughs> this is completely speculative um, cosmology, <clears throat> teleology. But as above, so below. And um, all that's occurring now absolutely is valuable for the Logoi somehow. Uh, and what we're experiencing here is this end of season um, <clears throat> uh, Initiate, initiated a harvest process where we're in the last uh, days or the last, I don't know, what, decades I don't know, of third density? I don't know how long it'll last. But we're at the end of the season and the wheat and the tares are sprouting. And like we talked about before, I'm surprised so many people go along with uh, facilitating harm uh, for a paycheck, for money, for carrot, and avoidance of stick. So to not have their career or their income jeopard, you know, lost, they get, go along, get along. Or to receive the big carrots and big benefits and payouts, they also facilitate harm. <clears throat> and look the other way. And that's really quite bitter, frankly, to me. And surprising, but it's a revelation of uh, character. Uh, of humanity. So um, I'm going to move quickly through a concluding um, approach, concluding statements on 2 Thessalonians 2 from the Berean Study Bible, BSB, from BibleHub.com. The um, end of the section on the man of lawlessness or the condition of civilizational anomie. Um, 2 Thessalonians 2, 9. I don't know if it's 2, 9 or 9. Uh, from Berean, this, the, their translation, the coming of the lawless one, lawless one, or the coming of lawlessness, will be accompanied by the working of Satan or Satana, whatever that is, whether as a being or just <laughs> negative entities um, coming through strongly accompanied by the working of satana with every kind of power sign and false wonder with every wicked deception directed against those who are perishing wicked deception directed against those who are perishing because why are they perishing because they refuse the love of truth that would have saved them uh, and then for this reason god will send them a powerful delusion which is a strange notion the the logos the logo the logoi send delusion? I don't think so. But the Logoi allow veiling, <laughs> and the, the veiling facilitates delusion, for sure. So that they believe, so, so this, this is what they said here, 
Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians 2.11. It's either 2.11 or just 11. For this reason, God will send them a powerful delusion so that they believe the lie, in order that judgment may come upon all who've disbelieved the truth and delighted in wickedness. So the operative principles here or, or <laughs> tendencies in civilization or the elements of what I would call civilizational nihilism are associated with disbelieving truth, delighting in wickedness, refusing the love of truth. Um, so refusing love of truth is uh, disbelieving truth. And it's basically the truth of, um, you know, uh, soul and higher self, the nature of um, the cosmic plan in which we're living, where there is a physical and metaphysical in which there is intrinsic telos or purpose to incarnation and beings or souls or entities evolving through multiple lifetimes in multiple dimensions uh, in accord with what Ra said, the original desire is that entities seek and become one. <clears throat> A spiritual view of self, of world, of purpose, of um, a view, therefore, of path, and a view, therefore, of goal, uh, return to source. Um, this, <clears throat> uh, these truths would have saved people or are salvific. Uh, rejecting that is disbelieving truth. I don't want to believe, <laughs> as they say. And then thus may well freely delight in wickedness, or at least delight in getting bigger carrots and uh, avoiding stick, uh, avoiding personal loss, and uh, facilitating financial gain, or e you know, ego, social privileges, position, gain, the gain of uh, higher position, the gain of wealth, the gain of um, stability or something. So <clears throat> the, the key here, I think, is um, a couple of things. One is love of truth, agapentes alitias, and a reader or a listener gave the original Greek or her pronunciation of it, which is very pretty. A uh, love of truth that saves. And looking into the word of save, uh, the word is sotenai, same as the basis, uh, the root etymology of the phrase soteriology, soteriology as the study of salvation, what saves. What is saving, what is perishing? Loving truth, uh, want, you know, seeking, the original desire entity, seek and become one, seeking and thus becoming one, seeking to live in accord with personal and universal truth, uh, particularly the spiritual truth of our own nature, and thus our purpose, and thus purpose of creation, and thus, you know, some kind of uh, spiritual perspective, whether it's theistic, deistic or not, you know, whether God could be called a guy or a lady doesn't matter. There's a source to light and thus a purpose for which there is light, let there be light. Uh, whether it's seen religiously, anthropomorphically as a goddess or God the Father or intelligent infinity uh, doesn't matter. Or 
you know, Brahma or uh, Satchit and Tatsat as the goal, complete perfect enlightenment, a um, radical freedom, awakening, liberation, enlightenment. Whether it's framed theistically, anthropomorphically, with a deity personified or not, doesn't matter. Um, approaching that or fulfilling spiritual purpose includes love of truth, leads to salvation. The opposite is called perishing. But it isn't about a physical death, because physical death happens to those that are saved too, right? Or those that are spiritually progressing die too, physically. <clears throat> so we're talking about a spiritual salvation or saving and a spiritual perishing. And interestingly, so so salvation, the word to be saved, right? So they uh, those are perishing, apolimenois, apolimenois, whatever, is a perishing. <clears throat> the opposite of for them to be saved, sotenai, and that's and and that's the uh, polarity here saved or perish and the uh, basis of uh, that um, uh, distinction is uh, love of truth or not actually and <clears throat> the word saved um, from uh, billmounts.com which is an interesting website which gets into etymology in a different way than Strong's Bible and the other views of the other pages or sites on etymology. So the word sotenai, to be saved, actually comes back to a sozo. Sounds very Japanese. Sozo as the root of sotenai. Uh, one of those versions of sozo, or what could words associated with salvation derive from sozo in the Greek, appear, according to this site, 106 times in the New Testament. So the New Testament is very much about salvation. Yeah. And so then they're on this page. Um, actually, I didn't send it, so let me send it to you guys here. <clears throat> uh, there's a gloss and there's a definition. Gloss is sort of the brief version. <laughs> the definition is the expanded presentation of uh, the basic meanings in the 106 usages of the Greek word sozo, the, the words associated with the Greek root sozo associated with saving. So to save, to rescue, to deliver. So love of truth delivers. Uh, to heal, by extension, to be in right relationship with God, with the implication that the condition before salvation was one of grave danger or distress. And, you know, Gautama talked about um, samsara um, like a burning house. I think this was, I'm not sure if this is in the Pali, but it's certainly in some Mahayana sutras. Uh, creation as a burning house <clears throat> or incarnation as a danger. Why? The danger is that for all who haven't yet achieved satipana or first level breakthrough, there is a risk of going back to lower states of woe the hell realms, the hungry ghost condition, possibly even animal, like what happened to the Maldek souls going into um, Bigfoot bodies in a not of fear, K-N-O-T, not of fear, 
that's another thing that's <clears throat> uh, resonant to the present of the present time of civilization to the end of Maldek, which is that a lot of people are stuck in a knot of fear. So this is the resurrection of the knot of fear at the end of Earth's 3D cycle, akin to the end of the Maldek uh, civilization, planetary existence, you know, 500, 700,000 years ago. And not, not, not so fear tangled. <clears throat> Tang, not, uh, fear when knotted uh, binds. And so salvation, saving is about freeing from bondage, freeing from binding. And so this is part of what's being revealed here is the nature of binding, the nature of freedom from binding, the nature of freedom, the nature of slavery. Much, much, much is being revealed now. This is a time of apocalypse, obviously. So everything that's uh, hidden shall be revealed, can be revealed, can be seen more easily. Very much intensification of light associated with the green ray vibration. So then there's all these definitions of souls or, or the root of sotenai uh, sal save, salvation, that comes from loving truth. <clears throat> to save, to rescue, to preserve safe and unharmed, but, but dying. I'm going to just jump in all the time here. Don't forget, this doesn't mean physical healing, physical survival. It is not physical survival, it's spiritual survival. And to preserve safe and unharmed, yet physically then dying. Eventually physically dying, and yet preserved safe and unharmed. To bring safety to, to cure, heal, restore to health physically. To save, to preserve from being lost. I'm saved, not lost. <clears throat> States of woe um, are a condition of somewhat darkened... Um, experience somewhat lost to God, lost to love, light, lost to higher self, not fully lost, but somewhat inaccessible, inaccess not well accessing higher self <clears throat> or God. You know, if you can't, you, you accept, we access the logos by accessing Atman. Uh, the Atman is a sub-sub-logos. The solar is a sub-logos. The galactic is a logos. Solar sub-logos, Atmanic sub sub-logos, and higher self, or I'm sorry, uh, conscious mind, Ra even int intimated at one point, is or could be seen as a sub-sub-sub-logos, the conscious mind. And when we get into this discussion of veiling, unveiled, veiled uh, 3D creation uh, later on, or back again, we'll see the difference, um, the importance of the matrix of mind. First card, the conscious mind the sub-sub-sub-logos that mind-body-spirit complex works with <clears throat> that is quite fully accessible. So the way you access God is through higher self. None get to the Father through the, except through the Son. S-O-N, S-U-N. To some degree, the Son is Atmanic principle, the Christ principle. Oh, ho. not the same as Jesus, Yeshua, the man, but the Christ principle is Atman, as far as I know. None get to... The logos, but through the sub sub, but through the sub logos, <laughs> or none get to intelligent infinity, but through higher self first. You can't get to salvation or freedom from the octave. You can't get to intelligent infinity without intelligent energy. Six goes to seven. You can't get to seven but through six. Fine. You can't get to seventh ray but through sixth ray. You can't access <clears throat> the qualities of energy or power and consciousness or awareness, the transpersonal of seven, 
but through six. None get to the Father but through the Son. And I'd say the reading I read that is through higher self, which is, you know, the Christ principle. And that's very much associated with uh, saving, uh, preserving from being lost. Lost to higher self means losing access, and that's just what Steiner, Rudolf Steiner, talked about in terms of uh, these uh, roll the rollout of the harm done to despiritualize humanity. Also, to deliver from, to set free from, to set free from the condition of being in bondage or being bound, being lost, to rescue from unbelief, to convert, to bring within the pale of saving privilege, to uh, develop um, the karmic qualities of uh, seven chakra condition so that higher benevolent beings will help us. Higher benevolent beings don't help those in hell very much. Why? Because they don't, they don't, they're not, they're no longer within the pale of saving privilege. <clears throat> Their merit has decreased to a point and that uh, landed them in hell. Hell is very real. Absolutely, I tell you. <laughs> Some people know that. Very few people realize that. It's very real. Buddhism talks about it. Hinduism talks about it. Judaism talks about it. Islam, Christianity talk about it. They, everybody knows. Raw material talks about it, even. So <clears throat> there is a condition of heavy darkness as a lower third density condition associated with lower triad blockage, heavy lower triad blockage, that um, leaves that... that in which beings don't uh, are no longer in the pale, in the zone of saving privilege. They don't have the karmic basis, temporarily, of being helped. It doesn't mean they're evil, essentially, right? Soul, self is a being of infinite worth. They have infinite worth, yeah, but by their own deeds uh, are now outside the scope of a higher self and benevolent beings' um, capacity to help them. That's really a bad case. And that's the danger. That's part of this uh, condition before salvation as uh, one of grave danger and distress. There's normal dukkha, and there's the danger of 3D repeating indefinitely, which is what we see today. And 3D repeating indefinitely equals continued in indefinite danger of going to lower zones uh, as a result of activity in a 3D incarnation again and again and again. To save from final ruin. Well, in the Buddhist view, there's no final <clears throat> except for complete and perfect enlightenment, which ends the um, incarnative experience in the octave. But the ruin of beings in Gehana or Naraka, hell, um, lower zone uh, is not a final ruin it's a temporary ruin but it's pretty messed up also to be brought within the pale again brought within the pale of saving privilege same as before to be in the way of salvation so uh, and that's again all associated with this uh, portion of 2 Thessalonians 2.10 and with every kind of wicked deception for those who are perishing because they didn't accept the love of truth so as to be saved, which is one way of putting it, and that's sotanai. And so that's very interesting. So we have, again, <laughs> 3D souls um, 
unable to leave 3D. Now, as before the veiling, uh, before the veil, they didn't want to leave 3D because they were well without a veil in uh, self-consciousness of third ray, the, the natural self-consciousness of third density beings, uh, and didn't uh, were demotivated, <laughs> were, were without a significant motivation to evolve. And the Logoi felt that that wasn't as good as uh, being veiled. Thus, um, giving, lighting a fire beneath them or establishing catalyst uh, that would motivate, motivating catalyst, irritant friction, um, no pain, no gain, uh, no pain, no motivation was the unveiled condition. Then <laughs> the veiling and a bit more uh, dukkha and the veiling, as I said, is a curtaining between the conscious subconscious. It's a limitation of the power of um, the sub-sub-sub-logos conscious mind. And what I found, interestingly, um, as an aside, which is relevant, is the relationship between the seven tarot cards archetypal nodes before the veil and after the veil. Before the veil, as far as I remember, there were only three uh, nodal points in the sequence of archetypes for three, you know, the bases of, uh, the, the logoic bases for 3D evolution, at least in this solar system, being one to five, matrix, potentiator, significator. So there were only nine cards, not 21. There's a second, you know, there's the, the Eon card 22 today, which is harvesting, which was existing before the veil as well. So, but there are nine main, there were nine main archetypal cards or positions of uh, evolution of my body spirit. Now they're 21, seven, seven, seven. There used to be three, 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 three were matrix potentiator and significator one, two, five. Interestingly, <laughs> veiling brought the catalyst and the experience and transformation and great way positions, and thus the nine became 21. It seems to mean that before the veil, there was no catalyst and no experience. Hmm. No catalyst. In an unveiled condition, there's no catalyst? Well, there must have been some kind of catalyst, but there wasn't a variable, unique, individualistic fashioning of experience. And so I can see that there were some real deficiencies of um, manifesting infinity. The manifestation of the infinite was very limited for souls in the octave before the veil. Everybody was evolving steadily in the light, in satvid, in the uh, vid, uh, or, or the... Uh, Vidya, knowledge, knowing of Sat, as Advaita Vedanta would say, there was Satvid for all, meaning absolute truth, knowledge available freely. Didn't mean they had it all. It's akin to what's going on in, in the astral plane like No Solar. Um, everybody knows <laughs> um, 
that the physical and the metaphysical are inseparable. Everybody knows that there's physical, non-physical, that there is um, creational design, purpose, uh, a path, a goal, the nature of self. Everybody can know that. It's quite uh, hidden, uh, unveiled or, or unhidden. It's, all, it's there for all to see. And the only distinction is how much effort people make to um, increase their understanding of sattvic. But in the veiled condition, um, it's not even available by default. <laughs> One has to actually make an effort to even know that there is a work to do. Just like today, <laughs> people um, picking and choosing <laughs> their portions of uh, scripture that they want to believe, like... Uh, liberal-minded intellectual Buddhists in the UK rejecting reincarnation and multidimensionality in Buddhist cosmology and calling it Buddhism. So, picking and choosing um, what <laughs> universal principles you want to believe. And that's the phrase that skipped my mind a few times last time, which is I somebody in some interview saying, I don't want to believe it. And that sort of threw me for a loop because um, I don't think of belief as a matter of wanting, not wanting. I think of belief as a matter of knowing, not knowing, or a belief that's in conformity with knowing or a lack of understanding. So I don't want to believe it is a very common perspective of 3D repeaters, meaning earth, humanity, repeating. Don't want, this is associated with with not having this love of truth and thus uh, perishing, spiritually perishing, being perished, continually perished, remaining perished. Uh, Wanting to believe what I like and wanting not to believe what I don't like, which means basically I want to fashion my knowing based on what I like. So I know what makes me happy. (laughs) and I don't believe what makes me unhappy but it doesn't even make me where I'm unhappy I don't believe it where I'm well that that I believe this is nowhere near love of truth Um, and there's a big difference between I don't want it versus I don't want to believe it I don't want to believe it's true okay well that's the the root of delusion (laughs) that's strong delusion and uh, what is, is. Uh, our definitions, our understanding is always partial. Um, but when when preference, emotional-based preference, intrudes in, um, in the function of knowing or seeking to know, one is in big trouble and may end up uh, committed to delusion. Not everyone, sure. But in general, it really is true. People do uh, understand what they want to believe. <laughs> and, and liars and you know, systematic liars and uh, public uh, opinion shapers know that <clears throat> and give people what they want to believe. Uh, give the opinions or apparent truth, which is really just disinformation, misinformation of what people want to believe it, you know so they make you happy 
and you're and you're more thoroughly diluted than before. And so, um, I don't want it. Seems very reasonable. I don't want to believe it. Um, betrays a certain kind of intellectual dishonesty and um, deceptiveness, self-deception. And so that's this whole notion of uh, delighting in wickedness and falling into deception. Uh, Self-deception kills. And at this time in history, um, lacking love of truth is fatal or may be fatal, may be terminal. It's not, you know, death is not terminal. It's just temporarily terminal. (laughs) Death is temporarily terminal. Uh, fatal is just a stage. Fatal is just a transition. But, you know, if you don't want to hurt yourself or be hurt or have others hurt, um, love of truth is uh, brings to safety. And ambivalence about truth um, can be very dangerous at this point in history. So that's the struggle of the tares. <clears throat> or those that are not solidly committed to the positive path of uh, love, acceptance, honesty, truth, uh, continued seeking within, and, you know, learning, growing, helping. And the beings were committed to learning, growing, helping before the veil. Uh, and here on earth, um, the condition of delusion has gotten such that many beings, many humans don't even think there is any learning seeking beyond uh, those of the physical world. There's nothing to learn. I finished college. I have a degree or I don't care about school. Uh, do you care about soul? <laughs> do you care about your soul? Many people don't. They don't even know there's something there to care about. They don't care that they don't care. They don't care that they don't know. They don't know that they don't know. They don't care that they don't know. They don't care that they don't know that they don't know. They don't care. And so, okay, Ross said, vast sinkhole of indifference. It's a big issue. But it comes naturally. It's by logoic design. And looking at the archetype, archetypes of mind... particularly the change to the veiled condition, it seems, again, um, positions 4, 5, 6, 7 didn't exist before the veil. And so there there must have been some kind of catalyst or um, phenomenal experience uh, occurring, impinging on beings before they were veiled, but they were living in unity, or with sattvid, more or less, there wasn't much of a catalyst, there wasn't much of a uniquely fashioned experience, there wasn't much individuality, most likely. Uh, There wasn't this need for a transformation in a great way, either. And somehow that was considered deficient to the Logoi. Now, looking into what's the problem with, what's going on with Third Ray, Um, it seems that to me there's something intrinsically difficult about Third Ray itself as we were talking in class somebody made the point that's I think quite deeply insightful Third Ray is intrinsically relational Second Ray second density animal, plant mainly are are conscious of um, they they have consciousness and that consciousness is mainly circumscribed, is not of self-consciousness. They haven't, 
they don't have choice. There's not, you know, in general, they're not consciously choosing. They are choosing, you know, you see a pack of dogs, one sitting, one standing, one sniffing, one's rolling, you know, they're doing different things. Why? Uh, well, you know, they have different inclinations based on their uh, different uh, life histories, <laughs> karmic flow, flow. They're different genetics. There's a little bit different genetics, I think. They're not exactly the same, right? They're different experience. They're different mind. There is a different mind in each of those second density creatures. Thus, they look different and act differently. There is thus a kind of catalyst, but it's not self-consciously recognized catalyst, and they're not self-consciously choosing. They're just choosing unconsciously. That's not a difficult position uh, for light. <laughs> now, I'm talking about you know, as above, so below, logoic issues with third ray as related to my body-spirit complex beings issues in third density uh, related to the very structural, you know, the metaphysical structure of seven rays in which the five central rays, two, three, then four, then five, six, could be understood as a triad of body, mind, spirit. Uh, there's certain quality, uh, the quality of relationality in third ray is intrinsically qualitatively different than it is in second ray. And so in the third density, you have self-consciousness. Uh, third ray is the border of the lower uh, moving through the middle to the higher. So if the lower is 2, 3, the, the middle is 4, the higher is 5, 6, uh, the great way could be said to be the transformation, the clearance of blockages in the lower so that light can go through the anchor 1 fully through the upper to the... Um, you know, Polaris or North Star or uh, Hole in the Curtain 7 back to source. So that is the transit of light through seven chakras for beings in the seven dimensions, 31 planes in Buddhism, Triloka. So the transit of light from root to crown where the seven rays are fully uh, they offer no baffling, the lower three particularly no baffling for the human, and the upper four are fully developed, but it's really four, five, and six are fully developed, where four, five for humans is crystallized with fully balanced love wisdom, like the Bodhisattva, wisdom and compassion. Then uh, maximal sixth ray development or sufficient for light to go from root to crown, for the being to leave the octave. And beings don't leave the octave all the same either. <laughs> Just like there's 51% service to other, which means a whole long spectrum of harvestability for beings gotten out of three to go to fourth density. Actually, it seems to me, beings don't leave the octave in the same completed seven chakra absolute perfection condition either. Meaning... There are some beings that left the octave after a few incarnations, 
actually, without any veil earlier on. There are other beings that leave the octave with having had many, many incarnations. Um, some go slow. Some, I mean, it can be done in seven lifetimes, Gautama said. You know, perfect mindfulness, Gautama said, would lead to complete enlightenment within seven days or something. So then there's the notion of uh, within seven lifetimes, Sotapanna goes to Nirvana. So a 3D being in you know, here a teach Sotapanna, first level awakening, the book statement from Gautama is within seven lifetimes or less, they'll be finished with samsara. Go to Nirvana, the uh, complete and perfect enlightenment, that's the end of um, reincarnation. Seven lifetimes or less after Sotapanna. Likewise, beings uh, at earlier positions, earlier, you know, solar systems closer to galactic center, earlier on in creation without a veil, probably pr- progressed very quickly through the octave, uh, through the seven dimensions out of the octave. But they um, would look different on the other side. They will be different as guardians than those that uh, had a long, long, long route of soul evolution through the octave, through the seven dimensions. So that too is an interesting kind of thing. But uh, for the Logoi, it seems, uh, so again, as below, so above, um, the working of the seven chakras akin to the logoic working on the seven rays. The logos, uh, the logoi that chose the veiling um, clearly felt there's something superior to them with it, with the veiling. And it may be associated with this uh, intensification uh, of catalyst and then individualized experiencing that then is adding these other four positions in the archetypal um, sevenfold, sevenfold nodes, you know, of mind and then body and then spirit, as we see in the tarot. And, and, but it's the relationality, it's the self-consciousness for us, it's the self-consciousness in third density um, that ultimately... there that ultimately is part of this issue of third ray for the Logos. So the, the fact of third density being the dimensional experience of, you know, conscious beings moving out of the plant, the animal to self-consciousness and third density, uh, being intrinsically relational because self-consciousness equals the establishing of duality. Self-consciousness equals the establishing of subjectivity. I am me and you are you and um, therefore is there subject-object. That is delusional. Um, it's relational. Relational is delusional. <laughs> relational is maya. All is one, right? What kind of relationship we're talking about? Yes, we can say there are many waves on the ocean, but there's also one ocean of many waves. So which is it? Well, it's both. So there's many waves who consider themselves a distinct wave and look out uh, on the horizon and see many other waves. This is, you know, dualistic consciousness. Uh, I'm me and you're you and I'm here and you're there. Sub time and space. Then... There's the truth that uh, those many waves is one ocean of light. Higher self sees that all as one. So the first position where light 
um, I would say, um, coalesces into identity is third density. So going from two, this is a mind bending, right? Going from second density to sixth density uh, is akin to uh, going from the tenth fetter to the eighth. <laughs> the tenth fetter Buddhism is basic avidya, not vidya. Uh, which is really, I think, the establishing of light itself, which is vibratory sentient, sentient and vibratory um, dancing thought, you can even say. Ninth fetter restlessness is the dancing. So tenth fetter avidya could be understood as light itself. Letting there be light that is cosmogenesis is the establishing of the tenth fetter. Then, by its own nature, without really too much, without nothing needed done, it's vibratory. So it's dancing, thought, dancing, light, or ninth fetter restlessness. Then in second, in third density, for the human, it coalesces into manas or tanamanas, craved identity, fashion identity, self-consciousness, conceit, self-conscious beingness, eighth fetter, and so uh, the basis of self-conscious uh, beingness is established in third density or is associated with third ray. It's broken only after sixth density. So going out from, going from sixth to seventh density is akin to going from second to first ray. Yay. Because actually, 7 and 1 is the same. 6, 2, 5, 3, 4 in the middle. The column is a sphere. Every, uh, the column is a sphere when seen 7-dimensionally, or at least 4-dimensionally. 7-dimensionally, <laughs> maybe it's just a field, but it's a particular kind of field. But 4-dimensionally, at least, the column is a sphere. The up-down vertical 7 rays is spherical, in which these, uh, what I call chakra bands, seven, one, six, two, five, three, and four bullseye middle, can be seen as the rings or the concentric rings of that sphere of seven-dimensional sentient light, vibrating thought, vibrating dream, dancing thought. Well, you said you're not living in a material universe, you're dancing thoughts. So... <laughs> The seven points of light column seen fourth dimensionally could be seen as a sphere uh, with concentric concentricity. Oh, so concentricity <clears throat> means um, the basis of there being chakra bands seven, one, six, two, five, three, four in the middle, like a sphere where the core is four. Mm. A heart center is the core center of the seven, and that establishes also within the middle two, three four, then five, six, as the work of the Logos. So the Logoi felt <clears throat> that um, uh, there was a problem, there, there was intrinsically, you know, it was inevitable that the Logoi would feel a problem with Third Ray. <laughs> sorry, bub, uh, sorry, boss, uh, it was always meant this way, boss, that you'd have an issue with the Third Ray, because it's the first position of coalesced light into identity. 
with self-consciousness, akin to eighth fetter, which is broken on the way out to 9.10, which is similar breaking from two down to one and out, going down, going up, or same, same. Going from four to seven is akin to going to four to one. It's coming from the center with that, to the, to the uh, periphery of the sphere, right? Going in, going out, <laughs> going up, going down, up and down, Heraclitus, right? The upward path is the same as the downward, the upward, downward path. All right. So going up is actually the same as going down because the column is a sphere and going from four to seven is akin to going from four to one. Why? And so the, as Ra said, I think it, the phrase was the basic rays, one, four, seven, at least one and four. And I think so I would say, I think they said, or at least I think it's true, one, four, seven, the basic rays. One and seven is the periphery of the sphere, which is the same. It's one periphery, but it, we call it one and seven. And four is the bullseye, the heart, the, the core of the sphere, which is radiant. The radiant core of the sphere, ho-ho, which is uh, what, molten iron? Well, it's empty. Well, I don't know. Is it a sun? Well, it's the heart. The core of the seven seen spherically is the heart. And thus the work of four to seven is the work of four to one. And so the perfection of two, three is the perfection of four, five. Or, the, or five, six. Two goes to six, three goes to five. <clears throat> so the perfection of two, three is the perfection of six, five. <laughs> Mediated by four, or, you know, achieved by a complete and perfect um, transparency or non-baffling of four. Completely open heart is completely on. You know, transpersonal. It's not my heart. It's the heart. What heart? It's the fourth ray heart of the Logos, or the fourth ray heart of the Logos is the true nature of the fourth chakra of the being. Something like that. <clears throat> but um, the relationality and um, it's the very nature of third ray itself was destined, inevitable, <laughs> for the Logoi would have issues. They have issues with uh, unveiled slow evolution, and now they have issues with veiled uh, slow evolution again of beings trapped under Orion, veiled and despiritualizing, uh, perishing. Now you have beings... So before you had beings uh, in the relative light of third density unveiled um, without any kind of thick unique catalyst and experience or a need for transformation great way um, saved but not caring now they're perishing and don't even know that they could be saved wonderful so now that's not everywhere that's just here just here on planet earth as we see in the end times and just of the sector you know and I do think that uh, Orion may not have much of a foothold in the solar system after Earth goes to 4D positive. That's a big deal. Uh, other little points. <clears throat> um, yellow third ray in between orange second ray and green fourth ray. Add green and orange and you get an ugly mottled brown. <laughs> There's something intrinsically problematic about third ray. 
because there's something intrinsically deceptive and and um, problematic about uh, light reflecting on itself or coalescing into identity. Identity is the problem of the octave. Ross said they'll drop identity, leaving sixth density, right? Leaving the entirety of the working, two, three, four, five, six, leaving six to seven. Finally, getting from the center of the sphere out of the sphere of the octave. So the mind-body-spirit complex, beingness, totality complex, the total seven-dimensional apparent selfhood is spherical, or could fourth-dimensionally, at least I can see it fourth-dimensionally, you know, relatively so, as spherical. Um, meanwhile, and, and, and that work of, of ascending is actually going from core to periphery, leaving the sphere. Very much like that medieval woodcut or drawing of uh, the guy who's poking his head out of the the sphere, the membrane around the world into the uh, Empyrean or something like that. <clears throat> uh, leaving the octave is um, fully um, clearing and developing for complete uh, non-obstruction the sphere of the seven chakras or seven rays. And um, that <clears throat> that there is eighth fetter conceit, uh, fashioned identity, the uh, false sense of self that Gautama spoke about as anatta, uh, that there's no self in the skandhas, even consciousness, vijnana, and sankara fashioning is not I, uh, is not the self, and not a self. Uh, that fashioning of identity, eighth fetter happens as being go to third density. The eighth fetter is formed when plants and animals become human. That's called the beginning of a spirit complex. So mind-body becomes mind-body-spirit in third density. That establishes the eighth fetter. Uh, that brings all <laughs> other seven fetters uh, and starts out a self-conscious entity on a path of evolution that culminates in departure from six to seven, uh, returning to forever, as Ross said, dropping identity, which was fashioned with third density, third ray. So third ray fashions identity. Third density is the density of self-conscious beings who are intrinsically thus relational. That's the, that's the original sin, <laughs> relationality. There is no relationality of the one ocean. It's one ocean. Now, there's apparent relationality, but taking, taking the appearance for its essence or true nature is the problem. So even the appearance of relation, the waves on the ocean, is not a problem. But the waves on the ocean believing themselves to be only waves on the ocean, not the one ocean, not the source of the ocean, is a problem. So, you know, I is the source of light, the source of the ocean of birth and death, the source of light that manifests as seven dimensions, 10,000 things, the individualized waves on an ocean of, you know, apparent subject-object that's all one. Uh, third density is a challenge for beings everywhere. And third ray is intrinsically difficult because there will be self-consciousness. 
So self-consciousness with a veil, self-consciousness without a veil is difficult. And because self-consciousness is a lie. Because the self is not uh, individual, but um, the totality. And so before there was light, there's I. The one I, or, you know, Parabrahman, or Paramatman. And so... Uh, it's simply, I think that the Logoi... Um, found that without the veil um, the level of distortion was inadequate to motivate evolution soul evolution and the purpose of light is soul evolution Ra said this the, the original desire is that entities seek and become one the purpose for which there are entities the purpose for which the, the, there are entities because there's light Light makes entities, entities as um, seven-dimensional sentient energy fields, seven-dimensional energy fields that are sentient, that have consciousness, um, or some sense-ability, ability to sense and react, reactability. That's light reacting to itself with the sense of self. And that sense of self is finished when the entity leaves sixth density, but for the long phase of what Blake would call experience, from innocence to higher innocence, there's the wrestling with choice uh, in the you know continued catalyst that is fashioning um, increasingly less distorted um, experience uh, of unity until the being finishes gets to unity and then finishes with unity. But it seems that uh, self consciousness which is basically um, the establishing of a, ultimately a belief in separative identity that has to happen in third density is the nature of the problem for the Logoi of third ray. And how to resolve the illusion of two from infinity, <laughs> infinity which is beyond one, experiencing this kind of nut to crack of uh, one light uh, believing itself to be uh, separate, a separate personal identity that then does indeed have choice and a lot of confusion. Um, that would have been a work, whether there was a, that would have been a problem. Third, The third ray position is problematic with or without veil. And with the veil, perhaps is um, useful for the Logoi in resolving the very the very um, nature of the third ray problem, which is associated with fifth ray, by the way. So the three-five chakra band has to be understood when you understand the nature of the, the third ray issue. What is the third, the Logoic third ray issue? Logoic issues with its own third ray, with third ray, with that is really the issue with three five, because three and five, you know, are are also um, of a unified polarity, just like one seven and six two. So you got three five. What's up with three five? Well, <laughs> it's um, it's in a funny position. It's um, the first ring around the core of four. So four in the center, then three five, then two six, then one seven on the circumference. 
So the first ring around the core of four is three, five. Somehow getting from four through three, five to two, six is the problem. <laughs> so that's, if you can follow me, your <laughs> brain is still in uh, high gear. So somehow the problem is three, five, not just three. And I'd say it has something to do with the relationship between the three, five chakra band and the movement from four to two, six, <laughs> if you're still breathing. Uh, and I don't know what it is. It's above me, above my level. But I'd say there's some kind of problem with, with three, five. And that's interesting, too. Because three five is the heart of the uh, yang or hard line chakras, hard line one three five seven, soft line two four six. All right. There's really no problem with two six, um, and there's really no problem with one seven because there's not even there is no cur- you know the secret is that there's no circumference to the to the sphere. There seems to be a circumference of one seven, but actually there is no periphery to the sphere. It's just an apparent sphere. It's not a real sphere. So there is no one seven. There's only uh, three five and two six <laughs> in some sense. Uh, but the whole thing's anchored by a four and a one seven uh, apparent circumference. But the real problem is three five, I'd say, and that's um, the mind. Um, oct- octavic mind is the logoic issue. Um, the whole matter of manas, buddhi, vijnana, uh, chitta, the whole, the, the, the mind function as opposed to body form or spirit reality beyond, you know, beyond mind. Of that triad, the real problem is the middle or mind, which is the three, five band, which is the third ray problem of the logos or the logoi. So their real issue is the three five band, and that's called the mind principle, and that's the whole fact of um, that this whole thing is a dream, right? The, the, this is the concept of affinity. Um, creation is a manifestation of the concept of affinity. Light, which is dancing and sentient, is itself a manifestation of um, conceptual affinity. <laughs> you know, apparently infinite manifestations in form and awareness uh, of of thought, of of the concepts of the one infinite creator. So, the whole you know, life is but a dream. Yeah, the octave is but a dream. Dancing thoughts, dancing sentient, vibrating light. That is the that that's all appear that its nature is a dream or thought. Uh, the thought of finity by the infinite. So the infinite dreams finity or the infinite conceives finity and dreams creation. So the problem with third ray is the problem with third ray, fifth ray, which is the mind function, which is basically the fact that um, uh, there is no mind. There is no spoon. So there's dancing light, but it's not really dancing. It thinks it's dancing. <laughs> Vibration is Maya too. Mm, that's why ninth fetter can be broken. Ninth fetter can be broken because 
the light only believes itself to be dancing and vibrating, but it's not. Hmm. So uh, the dream, the problem with third ray is the problem with three five, and that's a problem with mind, and that's the experience of uh, light that thinks that appears to be dancing, while it isn't. It appears to be real, but it isn't. It's just a thought. It's just the concept of infinity and the concept of light that gives rise to the illusion of limits, all as Ross said. So anyway, I think that'll be it. <laughs> I think that uh, I, I've done sufficient logoic auditing. And um, next time, uh, uh, I don't know what to say. So I hope it was useful, but I do think that that's, it's interesting and... Um, the problem of third ray is uh, is the problem of uh, apparent mind is, is the experience of separative um, of mind or sentience as uh, an apparently separate function of infinity uh, or its appearance in the octave while it's not there there is no mind it's just like fourth ray is empty there is no fourth ray there it's what is unconditional acceptance if there's full, complete, and unconditional acceptance, there's no more seven rays. <laughs> there's no more one through seven. And so the whole sphere disappears um, when at the you know apogee uh, of fourth ray development, which is only happening when the, all the seven chakras themselves are finished or the work of two, three, and five, six is completed. When two, three, and five, six, those two chakra bands, six, two, five, three, when that work is finished, then four returns to one seven, or the sphere, the apparent sphere disappears. And boom, Lucy says, I am everywhere. Yes, Lucy said, I am everywhere. Where did she go? And on the cell phone, it says, I am everywhere. Beautiful, the end of the movie, Lucy. Uh, I is everywhere, you know. He didn't, the, the filmmaker didn't realize that it's much cooler to say I is everywhere, but I am everywhere is pretty good. So, and I don't mean Scott, I'm just saying, you know, that's what she said. And um, so the culmination of the working of the, the real challenge is 3-5. And when 3-5 is finished, um, then 3-5-2-6 can be finished. And that ultimately uh, returns the, the, the core to the periphery or the core and the periphery is one, become one again, and then the sphere disappears into um, the source of fields, the source of light. So that's it. Okay. (laughs) Um, I hope it was useful. You won't hear this message too many places. Uh So the rare birds live in the deep forest normally. Anyway, I hope you're well. Um, Thank you for being here. I appreciate this opportunity. Take good care and good night.